Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Active Growth Podcast. In today's episode, we're taking on the copycat business problem. This is a problem that we see, or a trap, that we see many entrepreneurs fall into. It can take several forms. The first is that we often see that new entrepreneurs basically just try to copy an entire business that they see, and that usually doesn't work. Another more common issue is that you copy things from businesses that you admire, you copy things from your role models, but if you copy the wrong things, if you focus on the wrong things, then that's not going to help you succeed at all. On the other hand, there is nothing new under the sun and you should indeed copy and steal like an artist, but it's about what you do. It's about what you do with your role models, with websites that you that you think are really cool, that you wanna emulate. Like, what do you pay attention to? What do you copy? How do you copy things? Or how do you follow inspiring examples in such a way that it helps you build a strong and unique business? That's what we're talking about in today's episode. You can get all the show notes for this episode, including a download link for this episode and all the references, books we mentioned and so on by going to activegrowth.com forward slash 12. Now, many entrepreneurs, when they start out, they start by copying people they admire. And there are a lot of problems with this technique or strategy, if you can call it that way. Not only it's not very ethical, but it's also one of the best ways to actually keep your business small and don't allow it to grow. And in this mix-up episode, we'll take a look at why this happens, why it's a bad thing, and how you can avoid falling into the same copy trap. Now, I'm sure that everybody has encountered this before on the web. Now, I have seen this many, many times. For example, I, I follow Marie Forleo and she has something that's called Marie TV. And when she started out, she was doing these videos. So it's like a weekly vlog type of thing or weekly videos rather. And she did this in front of a brick wall and she was sitting on a chair with her legs crossed and she had like a little table with flowers next to her. And then all of a sudden you see all these women coaches trying to copy being in front of a brick wall or at least having a table with flowers next to them <laughs> that's pretty funny right it's like <laughs> somehow the copying isn't just to the degree of oh someone's doing weekly vlogs about marketing i'm going to do the same for women entrepreneurs or whatever it's like copying even these details it seems a bit odd right when you look at it it's like why why would you also want to do it in front of a brick wall and with flowers next to you well, I think one of the reasons why we started this podcast was because we were tired of seeing this happening in podcasts, right? Exactly. <laughs> one one of the best examples is EO Fire. So the Entrepreneur on Fire podcast got really, really big and has this uh, very strict format where John Lee Dumas is always asking the same questions and all of a sudden you see all these marketing podcasts pop up that ask exactly the same questions. Yeah and one of the things I also noticed is not only is it like the same format it's like we talked about you know the same guests the same questions and so on but also it really seems that I you know I've been interviewed on many podcasts uh, including Entrepreneur on Fire but also many others and it's even like the, down to the mannerisms of the hosts, 
are the same everybody does some kind of a lightning round type of thing and even the the emails you get as a guest when you when you agree to schedule an interview then like you get the same email with the same instructions that leads to the same landing page it's, it's amazing how much of a copycat approach this is you can really almost not tell which podcast you're about to go on and it also as a guest it doesn't really matter because yeah they all ask the same questions in the same order and do the same thing so you mean that we forgot to say hello active growth nation exactly that's that is the reason why we have not gotten you know great success and sponsorship by some mattress vendor yet <laughs> we're doing it all wrong <laughs> Now, I know that you had the same problem with I Am Impact, right? Yeah, so I Am Impact was what the website was called before we changed it to Active Growth. And at the time, so obviously, we were the first to use the first Thrive theme, which was Focus Blog. You know, we tested it out even before it was available on our site. And then once we launched Thrive Themes, the Focus Blog theme became the most popular theme right away. And it was mostly because I was using it, I had been using it. And so a lot of people in our audience wanted to use the same theme. And then it, from there it spread further. Another funny thing that happened was Authority Hacker, they also started using it. And uh, they have, they have a, I would say, probably a larger audience than us, especially at the time, right? I wasn't really doing much on IM Impact anymore. But Authority Hacker was really taking off at the time. So they had like a large growing audience. They also were on Focus Blog. And their audience, in their audience, I think they actually contributed to the spread of Focus Blog much more than, than I did with my own website. And you see all these niche sites that are running on Focus Blog. And it's really, you know, the only reason for that, it's not that Focus Blog is like the best theme for a niche site or, or, or whatever. I mean, it's, it's a decent theme, but you know, it's not better or worse than other themes uh, that we offer. And you would think that people basically look at our themes and pick the one that they like the most. But what they end up doing is like, they see Authority Hacker, they're like, I want to be like this. And then they use the same theme, right? Another thing that I think I can take a bit of credit for. So like I said, that the spread of Focus Blog, I think is mostly down to Authority Hacker and their audience. I think what I can take a bit of credit for is I, I created a, a type of homepage on I Am Impact that I then started seeing everywhere, right? Where it's basically you have a top section with a background image or a color and, you know, a title and stuff. And then followed by an opt-in form, followed by some blog posts, followed by an about the author and another opt-in form. And that really simple homepage layout, again, was like one-to-one -one copied all over the place. I've seen it in so many places now. And again, this is, you know, the funny thing about that for me is that this wasn't like, a brilliantly designed, strategically created homepage. This was me going like, oh crap, I have to do a homepage. And I threw something together in half an hour. It's basically just the first thing that came to mind. I was too busy to really invest in that, but somehow this took off as a style of homepage. And I think that's actually one of the dangers of this, this copycat thing. You don't actually know if you're copying something that someone has put a lot of thought into and has good reason to do, or if it's just you know randomly someone did something and it may or may not be good. Yeah, exactly. And we have a few more examples because, for example, on the Thrive Teams videos, we started using what we call the bubble effect. 
So it's basically when we're having a screencast, you can still see the person who's doing the screencast in a rounded bubble in, in the corner of the of the video. And I don't know, we, we have hundreds of people asking us how we did that, right? <laughs> it's also funny when you when you do a video, right? you do a tutorial and you put in all this work, because first of all, I mean, we have this to begin with because we combined live video and screencast video, which most people don't do, right? They'll just show the, show the screen. But so we started doing this where we record the live video and the screencast and we edit it together. And, and so you put all this work into into creating a tutorial or something or creating, you know, this this piece of video content. And then in the comments, everyone's just like, oh, how do you do that bubble effect? I want to do that. It's like, dude, <laughs> I put so much work into the content and all you care about is this little circle effect. <laughs> Which honestly, like if it would have been a star, the tutorials would have been as good. It's, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the bubble effect is very popular. Now, I have another story where it was actually, for me, a really big problem. So I followed this online course in France, in French, and I knew that it would be kind of similar to B-School. So I know that here I'm using quite a lot of examples from Marie Forleo, but well, I follow their program, so uh, I know what I'm talking about here. And I, I thought like, okay, this is going to be interesting because this is going to be B-School, but adapted to the French market. And I followed the program and I was just shocked because everything, like the structure was the same, but even the examples used in the videos were the same. And I thought that was so lazy because at least... The, the person making this, this course could have thought about French examples, right? <laughs> Rather than just copying the American examples. Yeah, which would have actually been an opportunity, right? That would have actually been exactly. an opportunity to, to differentiate yourself. But then being so lazy and copying it, not only unethical, it's just also really lazy. Exactly. Now, why does this happen? Because when you hear this, when you can hear us talking about this, it is pretty cringeworthy, right? Yeah. To like when when you see it, it feels icky. When it happens to you, it's like really that's what you're copying or what you're taking away from my stuff. But the the reason that this happens is actually it's pretty logical because human beings are programmed to copy. So we learn from a very young age that we should fit in, that we shouldn't stand out. We wear the same clothes as our friends or from very young age, you copy your older brother or sister. And then at school, you wear the same clothes as your friends and you use the same language as the group you want to belong to. Or you start imitating idols, for example. So it's, it's something that we are very used to doing. And it's not just that. It's also that it's one of the most efficient ways to learn because we learn by copying other people or by copying what, what's happening. So for example, when you learn how to write, you will just like copy the word over and over and over again. Or when you learn how to just learn a language, somebody will talk to you and you will repeat what they are saying. That's, that's how you teach children to to learn a language, right? You you show them a picture of a cat, you say cat, they repeat cat. <laughs> and that's exactly how we are taught to, to learn and how our brain works to learn. Yeah, and I think it's also one of those things, we, we've touched on this before, where being an entrepreneur, in, in some ways you have to go against your nature. Right? We talked about this on the procrastination 
episodes where it's like you're, you're not really made to to do entrepreneurial work right your your brain hasn't evolved for this kind of thing and i think the point where you have to create a new thing and you can't just copy something that already exists one-to-one is also something where you kind of have to go against your nature because like you just said this is this is how what humans do right we copy and you also hear the expressions like well don't reinvent the wheel for example or i don't know is that an expression in english don't try to reinvent hot water no, no, don't okay. try to reinvent hot water. Okay, is that what <laughs> okay, Belgian that's, or French? That's a Dutch, yeah, a Dutch expression. Right. Um, but so basically, we are also taught that it's not you don't have to try to reinvent everything, and that's also true, right? So I think it's rare that you actually do something that has never done before, and and copying can be a very good way to acquire a new skill. So. For example, if you learn copywriting or just simple writing, if you copy a sales page, then that is often one of the first exercises that they will give you when, when you learn copywriting. Yeah, so just, just copying like the texts that someone who's really good at it has written can help you kind of start forming these, you know, these connections in your mind and start seeing how this is put into practice. And there's... Yeah, like we said, there's, there's many examples of this. I mean, obviously, you know, that's how they used to teach uh, painting and the other arts. You know, you, you would copy the paintings that, that your old masters did. Certainly any kind of movement skill is also learned by that. You just copy the motion. I've experienced this a lot in learning things like dancing and martial arts, where often, you know, you, I mean, you have to start, you have to just start one-on-one -on -one copying something and you don't even have to understand the motion you're doing. You don't even have to understand like the purpose of it or anything. You just copy it. And after a while, if you get good enough at it, you start to get it. And then you can start kind of improvising on your own. But it has to be built on this basis of copying. Also, we're not trying to say that that copying is always bad. Because like Hannah just said, there's basically there's nothing new under the sun, right? It's not like you have to be like the 100% the inventor of everything you do. That's never going to happen. But... I like the, the the kind of flower pot and brick wall example for this because we often it kind of depends on where your priorities lie and what you end up copying, right? Because there's also nothing wrong with uh, there's nothing wrong with seeing Marie Forleo doing a weekly entrepreneurial marketing video and thinking I'm going to do that too, and there's nothing wrong with seeing us do a bubble effect in our videos and wanting to do that too, but. The, the question is like, where are your priorities and, and what are you focusing on? Because if the thing that you spend most of your time copying is getting the flower pot in the right position or having the bubble effect in your video, then th that's probably not going to help with whatever your business project is, right? And that's what we're trying to do in this episode is trying to, to, to kind of uncover what to copy, how to copy and what to ignore to really give yourself an advantage when you're when you're building your own business. Exactly. And it can be pretty hard because one of the problems is that, especially when you just start out and you're following someone online and you see what they are doing and you admire what they are doing. And then it's, it's really hard to find a way to do it better because it already seems perfect. So you're just like, well, I might as well do the same, right? Because I can't see how me as a beginner could improve on what they are already doing. And it feels pretty safe to do that because 
they are successful with the strategy. And so, well, if you copy, then you should be successful too, right? That's how it should work. Yeah. And I think that the problem is if as a beginner, especially if you just have one person, like one example, one idol, and you just can't see yourself, you can't see any way in which you could possibly do better than that, right? And so the best you can hope for is that, that you can just do the exact same. And the thing is, like, I'm, I'm not at all blaming anyone here because I know that I felt into that trap because exactly when, when you're too focused on, on the wrong thing and then you, I mean, I spent, I don't know how long to have like a horizontal opt-in form on my homepage because that was what the people that I admired were doing on their homepage. And now I'm like, honestly, <laughs> like I spent so long just having that, that because I still had to code it in CSS and I'm not very good at coding CSS. And I mean, <laughs> that was before Thrive Leads. And so the thing is, in, in hindsight, I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not what brings in more leads. Yeah. I just felt as if I needed a very similar website to the people I admired. Yeah. And, and you know, I've, I did that too. So this stuff that we talk about also, this goes into rapid implementation, right? Where we say, look, this is whether your opt-in form is horizontal or, or vertical, doesn't matter. Don't focus on these kinds of details. Just you know, ship something and get something going, right? We talk about this, but of course, this comes from our own experience. So I, I did this too, you know, I had stories of this where I tried to, you know, customize my website to make it look like some other website or to make it look like some image I had in my head, which basically came from other websites I'd seen. And I spent way too much time on, on yeah, on these details that don't really matter. So. When we talk about about you know ignoring these things and getting your priorities straight and so on, we are definitely speaking from experience. Well, like we made these mistakes. So back to the real copycat, right? The biggest problem with copying a website or a podcast or an online course or whatever, it's it will always hold you back because you will never be authentic. It will never feel authentic. And especially if people know the original, right? And there's this quote from Kipling that I really like. It says, they copied all they could follow, but they couldn't copy my mind. So I left them sweating and stealing a year and a half behind. And this is so true because if your business model is just to copy someone else, then you will always be one step behind because you can only see what happens on the surface and you will never be able to take a leader position. And we already hinted to this before, right? Because you will probably copy the wrong stuff because it's the easy stuff that, to copy. Like it's what happens on the surface. So for example, you will copy the design of a website or the colors, but not the structure or the layout in the video, like the flower and the brick wall. But again, not how the, the, the video is actually made. It's like we, we look at the stuff that is most obvious and most gets our attention and we tend to copy that. So uh, something in web design is also that we tend to kind of latch on to attention grabbing features, right? So an example of this would be, let's say you see a website and it's maybe of a business you admire and you see that they have a really cool, like smoothly animated drop down menu effect. And your mind kind of latches onto that. You're like, oh, this is so cool. I want this. And then probably if you're building your own website, 
you can fall down a rabbit hole of trying to make this happen, right? You you look at different themes, none of them have quite the right drop-down menu effect. So you get a theme and then you get a different plugin that kind of overrides the themes menu thing. So you have a different menu there from a plugin, but then it still doesn't have the right animation. So you get a third plugin, which then overrides the CSS and lets you add custom animations to stuff. And so now, like your your page takes five seconds longer to load. You're loading three plugins on top of each other to try and get an effect that still isn't going to be as cool as the one you saw, right? But also you spent like a week on this and what you don't see, and it, this is kind of the problem because something like that, you know, a cool animation on a website, like that stands out to us. And it's something we can easily grasp, like this is cool, I want this. But the problem is it actually distracts from the most important stuff that happens on a website. If you think of a website, you know, as this as this whole structure that supports a business, the most important stuff is often stuff you can't see. And most likely, or what might be happening on this page where you saw this cool menu, what might be happening is that really the page you're looking at is the result of you know, maybe weeks and weeks of user testing, right? To, you know, visitor recordings, user tests, interviews, and so on, to try and figure out how do people interact with this page? What makes sense to them? What do they click on? How far do they scroll? All this kind of stuff. Then based on that, a team of people ran dozens of A-B tests, testing all kinds of details, testing different value propositions, testing different angles in how they present their offer in the copy and so on. And they ended up with this page that you're looking at. And the, the menu animation is, is something, you know, the, like the CSS guy had, a, had an afternoon where he didn't have a lot of work. So he, she quickly did that. It doesn't matter, right? It, it doesn't matter. And maybe like talking about the A-B test, maybe they are currently running an A-B test on that menu <laughs> and you just spend one week trying to copy and they will figure out that it's actually hurting their conversions. And so they leave it out in about two weeks. Exactly. That's it. So, and this, this is the kind of stuff that you just don't see. You can't see all this stuff that happens in the background and especially like again you know um, like we said in a menu animation but even something like the colors used or you know the copy and the heading or whatever these are things that we can easily see and then we want to copy them but something like what value propositions did they test right what, what different value propositions did they test what did they test in terms of which segment of their audience they are talking to in what way and how they structure their offer and their funnels and all this kind of stuff. All this is hidden, but these are all things that actually make a much bigger difference to, to the business performance of that website than anything that you can see on the surface. But again, this is just, it's human nature, right? Obviously something that is attention grabbing, that is you know different, we latch onto that and that's what we are most likely to copy. Another example of this for me is, you know, when you look at content marketing and th stuff like that, social media marketing, there's all this talk about things like word count, right? How many words do the top ranked blog posts have for various keywords? How many, what's the, how does word count in a post correlate with the number of shares? Should you have your sidebar on the left or on the right, or should you have no sidebar on your blog posts? When should you publish your posts? When should you publish your tweets, right? What are the ideal times and so on? The thing is, all this stuff is measurable, right? You can, you can, you can download the thing and it says, 
you know, the latest study or whatever, and it says, on average, the top-ranked posts have 1,857 words. And you can look at your own blog post and go, well, I only have 500 words, I should write another 1,387 words, right? That's something that's easy to grasp. And you can even, like, you can hire someone and say, you have to write at least 2,000 words, because that gets more shares and better SEO rankings. But really, these are just the most easily measurable things. Obviously, if you actually think about it, hold on, what, what really matters? Well, obviously, it's like the substance, right? The content matters way more because you can publish 2,000 words of garbage nobody's ever going to share. But there's no objective measure of whether the 2,000 words make any sense or not. There's no objective measure of whether this is really good content, whether it's relevant, like relevant to maybe some current events. That's not measurable. You can't put that in a pie chart. And so we latch on to the stuff that we can count and measure easily. Now, we're not saying that copying is necessarily a bad thing, but we want to give you some ways in which you can actually go from being a copycat to becoming an innovator using smart ways of copying. So as we already talked about before, one of the first things that you can do is start by understanding the underlying principles rather than the superficial details. So the superficial details, typically brand colors, which WordPress team, uh, but actually ask yourself what makes this website successful? What is it? Is it their content? Is it the type of content? Is it the quantity, like everything that's that's under the hood rather than just on the surface. As an example, if we go back to Marie Forleo's weekly videos, one thing I would look at there is, you know, how does she structure her content? Does she make like series of content? Does she like, you know, follow up on previous videos and the current videos? Does she answer questions that people sent in? How does she select the questions if that's what she does? You know, how does she structure this whole thing? And how does she do her intro? How does she get your attention in the intro? What does she do at the end of the video? Are there any other ways, you know, does she build in open loops or hooks or anything like that during the video to keep your attention? How does she teach? How does she explain things? How does she, maybe does she also do entertaining things? How does she keep people watching? How, what does she do in her content in individual videos, but also, you know, over a series of, let's say 10 videos, that would turn someone into a Marie Forleo fan. This kind of stuff is, of course, more difficult to spot than the, you know, the flower pot next to her. But those are the things that probably actually make a difference. And it's one of the reasons why I actually like writing the articles, um, how Marie Forleo uses testimonials or how um, we did another about uh, about Ramit Sethi, about how he does lead generation, because it forces you to go deeper and to look at everything that they are doing around a very specific topic. And it's a really interesting thing to do. So this is also something we had when we did the marketing apprenticeships. We had our apprentices do this. We had them pick one business or one marketer and try to like hunt down their hunt all the way through their sales funnels and stuff. So the idea would be, you know, you, you sign up to their mailing list. If they have multiple opt-in offers, you sign up to all of them, right? And you, you pay attention to the emails that come in and to, you know, whatever content and offers and so on that they link to. And you try and find out, you basically try and backwards engineer their funnel, right? 
So it's like, okay, this is the opt-in offer. What comes next? Okay, they, you know, after two days, they send an email with a link to this content. After one day, they send an email with a link to this special offer. The special offer expires after five days. What happens after that? And so on. And you kind of try and, and you can actually map out. We use uh, draw.io to map out funnels, right? Where you can literally try and backwards engineer what someone's funnel looks like. This is a lot more work. One of my favorite activities. <laughs> yes, Hannah is a huge fan <laughs> of this. As you can see, if you if you check out those posts she mentioned, but but yeah, you can you can literally try and visually map out kind of the business engine that someone uses, and it's it's a really interesting thing to do. And it's this is an exercise you can do to dig below the surface. Which, by the way, you can also do. Don't do it on active growth. We don't have any sophisticated funnels on active growth right now, so that'd be a waste of time. <laughs> but you can you can try it out on Thrive. You can sign up and get everything, and we will not try to sell you anything because we're not selling anything. Yeah, no, the, for the moment. active growth is not a great example right now for sure. But but Thrive Themes is actually you could try this on Thrive Themes, right? You could try and, and backwards engineer what we do on Thrive Themes, and and many other examples. Basically, I, I really recommend you do this, right? If you have um, like a an idle or or just a, a role model business basically where you're like this is really cool i want to learn from them try doing this try digging through their funnels now this goes into our next point where you can study somebody rather than copying them so in the book steal like an artist a book by austin cleon he explains that you should start by picking a master that you admire and then study that master so really try to get to know everything that there is about that person and about what they are doing and how they get their inspiration because this is like more of a, a creative like a book for creatives but then he goes one step further and he says you have to create your family tree and so he explains that you should look at the people that the master that you admire admired because everybody looks up to somebody and then you should start studying those people because that's where the person you admire got his inspiration from and at that point you can actually make like this family tree where you can see yourself more as uh, the the last in line so you can become more like the child or whatever uh, from those masters rather than just having one person that you copy everything that they are doing which brings us to the next step right away which is basically having more than one mentor or more than one role model so if you're only following like one person, you know, one business, one market or one YouTube channel, then you're really missing out on variety. And so creativity is often just like smashing other ideas together, right? And so the problem is if you if you kind of have this single focus on one role model, then your mind will more naturally gravitate towards just copying. But as soon as you have multiple different sources, then your mind will start kind of smashing those different ideas together. And that's where creativity happens. This is one of the reasons why competition research is a really important part in my process. So that's actually still something that I spend quite a lot of time on for our product design, product development. I always try to find, first of all, closely related products. So as an example for Thrive Architect, which we're developing right now, Obviously, I spent a lot of time using other visual editors, other visual editors for WordPress, but also less related other visual editors that aren't WordPress and other editing tools. 
such as image editing tools, video editing tools, and so on. Because I want to get like this, this wide, um, this, this wide view of how different people and how different companies have solved the problem of how do I edit something visually? How do I have solved this, right? And there are two super valuable things that happen from that. First of all, you can see often from the less related stuff, you can see ideas that you can then transport into your area. And you can see examples, you can see aspects that you admire, right? You can see aspects where it's like, oh, I like, I like how this solution does this particular thing. I want to bring that in. But you can also see the stuff that you don't like and that you don't want to do. And I think that's, that's also really important. And that's, I think, another exercise you could try and do is you could look at the businesses and, and marketers and so on that you admire but also ask yourself, what do you want to do differently? What do you not like about what they do? How would you do things differently? And with these steps, if you simply have more variety, more a greater variety of sources to pull ideas from and an idea of what you don't want to do, that will automatically make you so much more creative. And that's exactly what we suggest you should be doing. Not just look at your own market, but also look at other markets because you can often learn a ton from what's happening in other markets. And then it's your role to see how you could adapt this to your own audience and, and, and to your own little world, right? Because then it will always be unique because you will be the first one who actually does it in your market. So let's say that you follow online marketers, but you, you are not teaching online marketing. You're in real estate, for example, and you see that there's like this one online marketers doing a 30 day list building challenge and you see this happening. You see a lot of people signing up for it and being excited about it. So then your idea would be something that relates to your market. So maybe you could do as an opt-in offer a challenge, a 30-day challenge to a more sellable house, for example. And this would be unique because you would be the first realtor doing that. And then you will see that people will start copying you. <laughs> Which is a good sign, yeah. <laughs> so one thing that I have done very specifically, and I think especially that, that really helped me when I was starting out and I didn't have such strongly formed ideas of my own yet, is to have two focus points. One, what do I want to do the same? And two, how do I differentiate myself? Because I think that, that number two is where like your unique selling proposition comes from. And for me, that that is an extremely important, right? You have to know what you want to offer, to, who you want to offer it to, and how the thing you're doing is different from what other people are doing in your space. And so, for example, with when I started building information products, I, I remember the time when I started analyzing other marketers and other businesses in more depth, and it started to dawn on me how they had these, these funnels set up, right? How they had multiple ways in which you could basically get on their mailing list. And then depending on how you got on their mailing list, you would get a different sequence of emails and if they they would have like special offers they would have low priced products once you bought those they would pitch higher priced products they would have live webinars and so on like it started to dawn on me what this system looked like and this is something i admired there there were several businesses and other marketers that i saw that you know were really good at this at the whole selling process and i was like this is something i want to do 
But the same people, often their actual content, the stuff they were actually selling, I found was quite lazy, especially with information products. I think that's still true. Most information products I've ever bought were just lazy, right? It's basically someone on a screencast. Most of the time, nothing's happening on a screen. They're just kind of stream of consciousness talking about the topic. There's very little structure. It's basically bad teaching, right? They're not good teachers. They're great marketers. They're not good teachers. So for me, that was then the second focus point. I was like, I want to, I want to have this strong marketing that they have, but I want to differentiate myself by creating a much better customer experience once someone becomes a customer and by being a much better teacher, right? By really focusing on good teaching, good structure in my content and so on. And that helped me right away. So that broke me out of this trap of just copying someone else and just kind of doing what everyone else is already doing right away. And, and this is something you can very practically do, right? You can, you can make sure that you have essentially a list of things where it's like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to copy. And then another list of things is this is how I'm going to be different. And I think just having these two focus points, that makes you unique. That makes your work unique. But of course, we're still talking about copying the underlaying processes and not just copying design and, and layout, right? Exactly. I think with copying design and layout, so first of all, uh, like, like Hannah mentioned earlier, it's, it's a problem as soon as someone knows the original. Because if someone comes to your site or sees your course or whatever it is, and you copied the design and layout, then all they can think of is this is copycat. So that's, that's not a good idea. But I think also it's, it's something that should just be a low priority. Because sure, if you, if you really like that menu animation, then you can kind of put it on your to-do list at some point. I want to have a cool menu animation like this. But it's not what you should be spending a lot of time or focus on, right? And in general, I think that the way copying works well is if, if you can make your own patchwork of inspiration from different sources plus some of your own ideas. And the same is true for things like design and layout. If you just see a website and you're like, this is cool, I want mine to look exactly like that, then you're going to have the copycat problem and you're going to not be able to stand out. But if you see certain elements, right? If you're like, oh, I really like, I don't know, you know, the, for example, on Active Growth, we started doing hand-drawn illustrations, right? And we did that mostly because it's faster. We can, we can make, make the graphics faster. But, you know, I didn't invent that, right? I've seen other websites with hand-drawn illustrations and I was like, I want, and I picked that one aspect. I go, I want hand-drawn illustrations like that, but I, I don't copy anything else from that website. And that's, that's what makes it unique in the end. And at that point, it's also not as if you gave the one specific hand-draw design to our designers and said like, I want that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. It, it was, it, it's more like the look and feel rather than the exact colors and and i think that's that's a very important distinction right where you can be like oh i really like this website i like the look and feel of this website so i want to have something similar rather than being like yes i like this exact hex color of pink and i like this because <laughs> then it becomes kind of complicated to not be a copycat so there you go those are the steps we recommend to help you steal like an artist and use inspiration to create something unique instead of being a copycat. 
You can go to activegrowth.com forward slash 12 to get links to everything we mentioned in this episode and links to, for example, the posts that Hannah mentioned, which I highly recommend you read. So those are the posts where Hannah dug into some businesses that she admires and looked at, you know, how do they generate leads or how do they use testimonials? First of all, these are just really informative posts, but also if you look at the post in, in terms of how did she do this, right? How does she analyze someone else's business? I think this is a masterclass in how to use basically inspiration and learn from the masters instead of blindly copying the wrong stuff. So I really think that this is an incredibly valuable skill to have and those posts are great real life examples of how it can be done. So links to those posts and much more at activegrowth.com forward slash 12. And like we mentioned in the beginning of the episode, none of this is a judgment of people who copy because first of all, we've made the mistakes of copying the wrong stuff in the wrong way ourselves. And also, for example, you mentioned the, the bubble effect thing, right? People always ask us about the bubble effect in the Thrive Themes tutorial videos, which is totally fine. As long as you like don't prevent, you know, don't let that prevent you from making the videos because you don't know how to do the bubble effect yet. But on that note, we are actually going to release a tutorial on how to do the bubble effect pretty soon. So if you've already released that, I don't know the exact timing of this, but if we've already released that, we'll also put the link to that tutorial in the show notes of this post. So you're absolutely welcome to copy that, but also pay attention to how we do our tutorials because I think the bubble effect is the least important thing that we do to make our tutorials the way they are. As always, we're also interested in your questions and your feedback, and you can also go to activegrowth.com forward slash 12 to leave us either a voice message that you can record directly on your phone or directly on your computer or leave a written comment. I'd love to hear from you. And if you're enjoying this podcast, if you're enjoying the way we do things differently, we'd love a review, but also we'd really love it if you shared this with someone you think could benefit from it. Right? If you have a friend, if you have an acquaintance where you think, this series or this episode could be really useful for them. Send them a quick email, send them a message and share this podcast with them. That would really mean a lot to us. Thank you very much and I'll catch you in the next one.